You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. Today we talk to our first spring winner in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest. The winner farms at Davin, just east of Regina, and seeding preparations are now underway. We have some recommendations for seeding pulse crops from the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Association. Real Agriculture also talks about pre-seed weed scouting. We have the latest update on the feeder cattle market across Saskatchewan, last week's report, and the pandemic has improved the market for dairy farmers. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Today's winner in the 620 CKRM Spring Country Cookout Contest is Joanne Wislowski of Davin. The farm is 25 miles southeast of Regina. Joanne says seeding has not started just yet. No, the ground's still frozen and a lot of, what do you call it, potholes and sloughs out there that they're kind of pumping out so they can get around a lot of things and yeah so no not started yet when do you hope to get on the Poss- land? okay possibly next week as long as the weather cooperates how is the soil moisture i would say the soil moisture would be fairly fairly good right now because we did have a lot of snow in our area just that it ended up either in the trees or in the in the slough areas so it's quite a bit of water sitting around that way what will you be seeding this year I believe we're going to be either canola, wheat, or barley. Usually those are the ones we rotate and move them from field to field. So I think that is our plan right now. How big a farm? Okay, we've got 480 acres, but we only seed probably about the 370. And your thoughts on grain prices this spring? I think they're doing fairly good this year. And hopefully they stay up there for a lot of the things that are out there. Joanne Wislowski of Davin is today's first winner in the Spring Country Cookout Contest on 620 CKRM. The farm enjoys a great meal and all the fixings from Peg's Kitchen in Regina. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eaves troughs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesTroughs.ca And your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. The new spring seeding seeding season is about to begin and Sarah Anderson is the agronomy manager with the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. She provides an on-farm agronomic outlook for pulses. First off, she stresses the need for seed quality. She says low seed moisture at harvest last year caused more mechanical damage, particularly for peas. So there may be low germination and growers should test their seed. She adds high nitrogen soils can be a concern, but pulses use a lot of nitrogen. 
There has been previous research in lentil, for example, uh, that's found that seeding into soils testing higher in nitrogen didn't really negatively impact yield or even maturity of lentils. Uh, so that, that's a good good news story. Environment is going to interact with the, the soil nitrogen levels to a certain extent. So what we're facing next year is a little bit uncertain, but I don't think it's necessarily an all-around bad situation, uh, the high-end soils from a pulse perspective. The watch out, of course, is that uh, in those high-end situations, there could be a little bit of extra biomass produced, especially under those lush uh, growing conditions. So we really want to keep out an eye on canopy closure, particularly as we're planning fungicide timing. Anderson then touched on weed management during spring seeding. She says herbicide carryover could be an issue because of weather, so producers should check their records. There can be damage to rotational cereal crops. Anderson says optimizing weed control include application when weeds are growing and temperatures are warm enough for growth. She adds water is also an important part of the tank mix and suggests farmers ensure quality and sufficient volume. She cautions farmers to ensure they follow label directions in tank mixes. I think another thing to consider as we're making those glyphosate decisions is what is the weed spectrum. So if you're relying on your glyphosate to be doing, you know, the heavy lifting on your weed spectrum, it certainly doesn't make sense um, to deviate too far from the decision of including glyphosate and potentially maybe an alternate path to go than eliminating glyphosate entirely is just consider if you're able to apply at the lower end of, of the spectrum of the labeled rate. You know, these decisions are probably not going to be a one size fits all. Uh, they may differ obviously across farms, but even across fields. So uh, feel free to, to tailor those recommendations to what is best suited to your weed spectrum and your timing and, and stages uh, on your own uh, individual field operation. And then, yeah, finally, if there are going to be tweaks from the normal standard, uh, potentially maybe reducing the the labeled rate of glyphosate, um, it's crucial that the rest of the tank mix and application is in top-notch shape. So really go through that checklist and understand if the water quality is where it needs to be so there's no antagonism issues. Are the active ingredients that you're applying, is there more than one uh, family uh, group of herbicides that's, that's being applied? Are they going to cover the weed spectrum that you want them to? Is your application speed, nozzle selection, and water volume appropriate for the application? And is the timing of your weed control the absolute best it can be? Anderson also discussed disease management heading into spring. Aphanomyces and anthracnose in lentils are two important diseases. She says those spores are long-lived and typical rotations may get a shake-up on some farms this spring. And then more recently, uh, this specific uh, risk assessment has been advanced to a digital tool known as the Phanomyces Risk Evaluation App, or Cleverly Area. And this tool is, is in development by Dr. Steve Shirtliff and his team at the University of Saskatchewan and hopes to use geospatial layers of field crop history, soil, topography, and environmental conditions to help growers assess their aphanomyces risk at a field level. So yeah, hopefully stay tuned for a little bit more information on, on those types of tools coming your way. And then the other sort of big disease consideration uh, to, to sort of start talking about, even though it's definitely a, a little bit um, later later in the season, is strobilarian fungicide insensitivity. So that has been confirmed in anthracnose of lentil in Saskatchewan. Recent work from Dr. Michelle Hubbard with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada 
and her team there really has found that it's actually quite widespread across the province. So we need to keep it at the forefront and, and sort of treat all of our anthracnose management as if there's populations of insensitive isolates within it. And because there's cross resistance among all strobilarin, and so just to be clear, the, the strobilarin uh, group of fungicides is the group 11 fungicides. The most important recommendation to take away today is just don't use a standalone strobe really ever. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what uh, brand name is on the box. Uh, if it's a group 11 with with no partner that has uh, efficacy on anthracnose, um, we really want to be looking to a different fungicide tool in that case. So again, SBG has several resources on fungicide insensitivity and anthracnose in lentil, and would certainly point the audience toward those resources for additional information. Dr. Hubbard's presentation also provides a little bit of a deeper dive, and that can be found on our website as well. Sarah Anderson is the agronomy manager with the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Association. She made her comments on the Pulse of the Prairies podcast. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. I have here with me Rong Rong Sean, who is a technical service specialist with BASF. How's it going today? Oh, pretty good yourself. I'm doing great. So we are here to talk about weed scouting. And before you get into the field with the drill scouting, do you want to tell me a bit about what you're going to want to be looking out for? Yeah, for sure. So like you said, scouting is very important, right? So we would always encourage our growers to go out to all of their fields to know what is going on, what is in there, what kind of weeds they're dealing with, and also the weed pressure, weed stage, and also the size of the weeds. But also it is important to know the field history too, right? So you want to know if you got any herbicide resistant weeds or if you see any reduced efficacy on certain weeds as well. So that's all good information to help making decisions prior to canola seeding. So how, how competitive is canola actually in its early stages? Like why, why do you want to make sure you're keeping that clean? Yeah, so canola when it's at the early stage, so between collagen to up to 40 stage, quite the opposite it's not competitive at all like it's pretty vulnerable to all the external stress right so you know when there's weeds that showed up early ahead of the emergence of canola and that's really like the canola doesn't have any defense mechanism to really fight for resource moisture and nutrients so that's why you really wanted to clean clean up your field before canola seeding okay and why is iding the type of weeds important yeah, for sure. So, you know, eyeing weeds really just helps you to understand what kind of the target weeds you're dealing here, but also understanding that not all the herbicide has the same weed spectrum and and also not work the same as well, right? So you really wanted to have your pre-seed herbicide um, in addition to glyphosate to target that tough weeds, but also having glyphosate there to run up the weed spectrum. So, and then for the weeds itself, right, like not all the weeds respond to herbicide the same either. So when you're looking at pre, or not pre, perennial weeds and also annual weeds, but also, you know, um, broadleaf weeds and grass weeds are not having the same responses to herbicides. So, I, I mean, we're looking at drought across the prairies right now, and uh, there's a lot of 
lack of moisture in there, why is it even more important that we're paying attention to what weeds are out there when they could be competing for moisture? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's some kiwis, like you would never expect them to pop up, especially in a dry spring. But um, one example I can think of is kochia, right? Like it is the first thing that usually shows up in the field uh, before anything else. So you really want to know your what kind of weeds is in the field and then so you can remove or minimize the weed pressure, reserve that moisture for your crop. So what are some of the most common weeds you're seeing? First tell us, I guess, where your territory is and then what are some of the common weeds you're really seeing? Yeah, for sure. So I'm covering uh, southern Alberta region. So go down to Pincher Creek and then up north to Oats. So, you know, the first weeds that I can think of, especially um, in dark brown soil zone, will be kochia. It is a very tough weed just because, you know, it is the first thing that shows up in the field normally. And also it is herbicide resistance. So that really limits the herbicide op uh, options to control this weed. Um, so when you're going up north, and now we're dealing with cleavers and wild oats, and those weeds have a different plant ar architecture, and that's gonna kind of change your herbicide decision a little bit again. If you're in an area that has tight rotations and they're dealing with volunteer canola coming back up, what are some of your recommendations with that? How do we tackle volunteer canola? Yeah, when it comes to volunteer canola management, we recommend a layering approach called advanced weed control. So the name really speaks for itself, right? What it is is you go in with the pre-seed herbicide in addition to glyphosate. So that really leverages the multiple modes of action to target not just the challenging weeds, but also round up the weed spectrum. And then later follow up with the in-crop herbicide application to remove that weed competition for good. You know, keep monitoring um, if there's any weed flushes coming in later, but also you want to keep your eye on any flea beetle pressure, right? So if you got canola or volunteer canola, you gotta look for that feeding damage. That's gonna give you an idea if you got any flea beetle pressure later on and if you need to go in with a folder insecticide. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Partly cloudy today, wind south 30, the high 18 degrees, the low plus 3. Wednesday, sunny, wind southeast 30, the high 22 tomorrow, the low 9. Thursday, sunny, the high 24, the low 9. Friday, increasing cloudiness, the high 21, the low plus 5. Saturday, increasing cloudiness, the high 22. 60% chance of evening showers Saturday with a low of 5. Sunday, cloudy, 40% chance of showers, the high 13, the low plus 3. Monday, cloudy, 30% chance of showers, the high 10 degrees. Normal high is 17 for this date, the normal low is plus 2. The sun rose at 5.30 this morning, it sets at 8.21 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Saskatoon at 18 degrees. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay again today at minus 1. Estevan is 8 degrees, Saskatoon once again 18, Swift Current 16, Weyburn 12, Yorkton is 10. Regina is cloudy and 14, that's 57 Fahrenheit. 
Winds are from the south, southeast, 21, gusting to 42. Humidity is 41%. The barometer falling, 101.8. Cloudy and Moose Jaw, 17. Winds are from the south at 31, gusting to 46. Once again, Regina, cloudy and 14. That's 57 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada. Before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils, maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed during the past week. Provincial livestock economist Brad Marsenyuk says there were several factors behind the mixed prices. Feeder cattle prices were mixed last week with some bigger changes compared to the previous week. Feeder steer prices were reversed from the previous week with prices higher for weight categories above 600 pounds and prices lower for feeder steer weight categories below 600 pounds. Price changes from the previous week range from $4.87 per hundred weight lower in the three to 400 pound feeder steer weight category to $3.79 per hundred weight higher in the seven to 800 pound weight category. Saskatchewan feeder heifer prices were higher in all reported categories with price comparisons from the previous week, we did see prices increase from $1.39 per hundredweight in the 800 plus pound weight category to a high of $4.38 per hundredweight in the 5 to 600 pound weight category. What were the main factors affecting the feeder cattle market? Again, Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were mixed but really mostly higher in most categories compared to the previous week. We did have a weaker Canadian dollar relative to the U.S. dollar, which helped, along with some increased you know, local overall demand, which held prices with warmer weather here on the horizon, better moisture conditions in many areas, the grass should start turning green, and demand for grass or cattle here should start to continue to improve here in the coming weeks. What were marketings? Canfax reported a total of 10,109 head of cattle sold in Saskatchewan last week, and that was up from 5,825 head marketed during the previous week, which was a shorter four-day week, but below the 11,666 head marketed during the same week in 2021. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? Cull cow prices continue to be very strong. The price of D2 slaughter cows was slightly higher to average $105.94 per hundredweight, where the price of D3 slaughter cows declined 25 cents per hundredweight from the previous week to average $94.25 per hundredweight. The U.S. Fed cattle market was steady last week with prices up slightly. U.S. beef cutoff values were again lower over the week, declining 2.4% to average $263.21 per hundredweight. The Fed cattle market price for Alberta Fed steers was reported at $169.30 per hundredweight, and that was up $1.97 from $167.33 per hundredweight the previous week. With May here and grilling season to take off, we expect beef demand to move higher in May, along with beef cutout values. Brad Marsenyuk is the livestock economist for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small-town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com The COVID-19 pandemic changed the global market for high-protein whey products, 
which has resulted in a great opportunity for dairy farmers across the world. According to a new report from CoBank's Knowledge Exchange, whey prices are expected to persist at historically strong levels until new cheese and whey processing capacity come online over the next five years. Tanner Enke, the lead economist, lead dairy economist with CoBank, explains why the amount of whey protein being consumed has increased. Yeah, so uh, the pandemic uh, was responsible for a lot of things uh, in changing our world, and how we eat is definitely one of them. And I think with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there was a renewed focus on healthy eating and healthy uh, living and eating especially functional foods. And that's not just in the U.S. or Canada, it's globally. Uh, We saw that, we've seen that in countries all around the world. People are motivated to stay healthy uh, because of COVID-19 and the way proteins uh, offer some immune uh, benefits. I think in the larger picture as well, not only people are consuming more whey protein, but they're also consuming more vitamins, other supplements as well. And so it kind of falls into this basket of everyone trying to live a lot healthier than they were before because of COVID-19, not only just for the immune uh, supporting benefits, but also because of other longer term uh, benefits as well as we see an aging population globally, and especially in Asia. And the driver there at the same time uh, is this move towards uh, healthy aging. And we're talking about consumers being concerned about bone density and muscle mass and things like that as people move into their 40s and 50s and 60s. And we're seeing that trend uh, really happen, especially in China, but other countries around the world, too. So I think we had two uh, very uh, bullish trends for a way colliding at the same time. Uh, that was the healthy eating uh, trend because of uh, directly because of COVID, but also because of people wanting to be uh, healthier with healthy aging and uh, concerned about bone density and muscle mass. Enki says with more and more being consumed, there will be high demand. For the health-conscious consumer, they are going to be reaching for whey protein specifically because it's highly digestible and meets uh, all the needs of uh, the human body. So that's where dairy is going to be serving uh, that role globally with that uh, rising global demand. I should point out uh, this is happening concurrently with another trend, and that is the declining uh, dairy herd in New Zealand and in Europe. And so that's going to position U.S. and Canadian dairies uh, to capture uh, that rising demand uh, for whey protein just as our export competitors in New Zealand and Oceania at large and Europe are going to be struggling to expand uh, their dairy production or milk production. So I think a big opportunity here for uh, U.S. dairy producers and processors in North America. Enki explains further the opportunity for dairy farmers. Well, what it's going to mean is more demand for milk, ultimately. Um, You're going to have to in order to get the whey protein, you also have to produce cheese, and uh, you also have to have uh, the pounds of whey there to produce the cheese and the whey. So I think in those areas uh, for producers who are working in uh, in parts of the country that are closer to those export markets, uh, there might be an advantage there on uh, transportation. Uh, there might be an advantage for people in uh, low-cost areas where they can produce more milk. Uh, but you have to have a processor there, though, 
uh, to take your milk. That I think that is the key thing there. Um, processors and producers have to work in concert here uh, as partners in, in order to capture uh, this global growth. So that's a conversation every producer has to have with their co-op or for their processor that they sell to. Is this an opportunity that they can work in concert with together uh, to both benefit from? Tanner Inke is the lead dairy economist with CoBank. Market Update is brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber and Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola rose 480 at 1085.02. One red spring wheat went down 356 at 512.84. The rest were unchanged. Durham 551.16. Feed barley 387.54. Flax 1212.73. Lentils 932.50. Oats 391.53. Yellow peas 617.33. Feed wheat 378.30. At Minneapolis, July spring wheat fell nine and a quarter cents at eleven fifty-eight and a half cent a bushel. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn eight four two forty five seventy four. And now the latest livestock quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of May third. Our last regular sale was on April twenty seventh. D one and D two cows sold from a dollar to a dollar twelve. D three cows sold from eighty five cents to ninety five cents. Counter cows sold from forty cents to sixty cents. Heiferettes sold from a dollar thirty to a dollar forty five. And good butcher bulls sold from a dollar fifteen to a dollar thirty five, with a sale up to a dollar forty. We had our last pre sorted calf sale for the spring run on May second. Five hundred to five fifty pound steers averaged two dollars and thirty cents and sold up to two dollars and fifty cents. Five fifty to six hundred pound steers averaged two dollars and twenty two cents and sold up to two dollars and forty two cents. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged $2.12 and sold up to $2.32. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged $2.10 and sold up to $2.25. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $2.03 and sold up to $2.19. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $1.82 and sold up to $2.07. And steers over 900 pounds averaged $1.45 and sold up to $1.80. Heifers were 20 to 30 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a group of 500 pound grassers steers at $2.50 a pound, a group of 550-pound black steers at $2.42 a pound, a group of 600-pound black steers at $2.32 a pound, a group of 650-pound black steers at $2.25 a pound, a group of 700-pound black steers at $2.19 a pound, and a group of 780-pound Angus steers at $2.05 a pound. We also had a group of 775-pound Hereford heifers from the Sabin Ranch that sold for $1.81 a pound, which is over $1,400 per head. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets cattle and the prices too. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, $230.42 per CKG. That's both Brandon Moosejaw plants. Coming up, the Resource Report. The Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Mandeco. Talk to your Mandeco dealer or visit mandeco.com to learn more about Mandeco land rollers and tillage equipment. 
Saskatoon-based Nutrien is reporting record net earnings of $1.4 billion in the first three months of 2022. Nutrien attributes the strong first quarter results to higher prices and strong retail demand, more than offsetting a reduction in fertilizer sales volumes due to a delayed start in the North American planting season. Nutrien says its full-year adjusted earnings could range from $14.5 to $16.5 billion. Nutrien Retail had record first quarter earnings before taxes of $240 million due to strong markets. Potash had $1.4 billion of first quarter earnings before taxes, nitrogen $995 million and phosphate $239 million. Nutrien announced in March an intention to increase potash production by nearly 1 million tons due to uncertainty of potash supply from Eastern Europe following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. On the markets, the TSX is up 274 points to 20,966. The Dow has risen 144 points to 33,205. Oil has dropped 217 at $103 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 15 one-hundredths of a cent at 77.79 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.